Dog Bubby. Morning, bitches. Oh. And no one told you they love you today, then I love you. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And I just get I love you with- too, Bubby. Oh, thank you. Now, I am here with the amazing, incredible, gorgeous Nana Tucket. Nana Tucket. You're here wow. in my studio. So excited. Oh, my God. So let's talk. Let's talk. I'm excited, too. You are? So, Nana, mm-hmm. how did you get to start? Because, you know, drag queens are what you know that are one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. So tell me about you. Should I ask how old you are or no? No, you can. I'm pretty how much old? an open book. I am 55, I think, if I did the math right. So you're so 20. I'm yeah, an older drag queen. No, no, you're 20 years younger than me, honey. I'm 75 fucking years old. <laughs> <laughs> I love how similar we look. It's amazing. Yeah, right. Red glasses. So I mean, fun. I'm going to do once I got to figure out I can do the video thing, but they say that the audio is, it seems to be better for whatever reason. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, anyway, I'm good with that. How long have you been doing drag and how did you come up with the name Nana Tuckett? Sure. So what happened was, you know, I've always been creative my whole life. I have dabbled in all kinds of creativity and art and um, but I've only really done drag maybe like five times in my whole life. But I've done theater. So I've always had that kind of outlet through theater and dance and always wore costumes my whole life. So I, I kind of got fulfilled that aspect of living different characters throughout my life with theater. But flash forward to pandemic times, COVID, mm-hmm. I'm just at home hanging out for a long time. And I was playing games on my phone and I realized one day I just can't do this anymore. I need an outlet. I need to be a creative. And I've always loved sewing. I've always made things for other people, myself Mm. a little bit, but uh, I just had this idea. I thought, what if I make a character that I get to dress up myself so I can make outfits for me? And that's how it all started. I thought I was going to make a character who was older so I could kind of, or she could grow with me. I could grow with her. And, um, I just wanted a character that felt felt like a Nana, the Nana energy, you know, somebody who was loving and supportive, but was also a little bit fun and naughty. And, you know, you could spend time with Nana and, and you're going to have a different experience than with, with your parents or other people in your family. You're going to be able to have some fun and hang out with Nana. So uh, Nana Tuckett, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from New England. And I thought people will get it if I say Nantucket, but I spell it with the I-T. Oh, so it's like Nantucket, yes. but it's tuck it with the I-T. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. So that's how that happened. And then we had a friend who uh, was brainstorming with us at the time and said, what if you had really big shoulders? What if it was like Joan Crawford? And, huh? And that's how it sparked my look. I thought, you know, I love that era aesthetically. I love the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Mm. I love the fashion from that era. And I thought, I'm going to only do vintage looks. 
And there's a lot, you know, there are a lot of young drag queens out there that are gorgeous. They're doing modern fashion. They do runways. They do fashion shows. It's incredible. But I knew that wasn't going to be what I was going to do. I I feel like my look came together and is a, uh, you know, it just fits Nana. And it has a flavor. It has a certain vibe. And all of it just kind of worked together. So I started doing a fun post and making kind of vintage inspired videos and and uh, started posting them on Instagram initially. Mm. And just eight weeks ago, we decided we're going to do TikTok. We're just going to throw it out there, see what happens. TikTok, I didn't know that world. It's a whole different world. It, I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> and eight weeks later, I just passed 100,000 followers. So that's crazy. Amazing. Right? So yeah. I guess yeah. people like some people like what I'm doing and they, they like my vintage style and love it. Um, it's just really fun to be able to share that with so many people. That's what I think is the most exciting part. That's wonderful. And you have a partner, correct? I do. I have a partner. He's amazing. His name is David. Right. And yeah, we're basically two sides of a brain and Without him, I couldn't be doing any of this. So we oh, owe a lot to him. Oh, that is so sweet. Now, you do a lot of political posts, as I do. I mean, you're up in Portland. Is that where you are? I am in Portland, which is very interesting because I don't know if you know this or not, but Portland has its very own special flavor of politics. Um, and to be honest, I don't think right now I would want to be living anywhere else. Uh, it really is supportive here of LGBTQ people, trans people. You know, there definitely are the factions out there that come into town and, and the Proud Boys and people that don't support that. And rural Oregon is, is quite conservative, so it is different than the Portland area. But just being in a place where, especially now where so much is happening in the rest of the country. And I just feel for those people who aren't feeling supported by the community. And I have that here in Portland and it, it feels amazing. And I just am so grateful to be here right now. Wow. Didn't now, wasn't there, cause I did a, um, a, I did a podcast about the, the oldest drag queen ever who just passed away. Darcelle. Yes. And, and, Darcelle, she was in Portland as well. Yes, isn't that I did, amazing? I did a yeah, I did a thing about her and you know from the Times who you know really did a feature on her, which I loved. And uh, yeah, so she yeah did a little bit about her, but you know, I the LGBTQIA plus community is is a very important part of my platform. It is you know my the major part besides single parents and Jewish people like me, you know. Very important part to me and um, supportive. I'm, you know, I don't know, you know, just as a kid, the only people that really, because the mean girls never liked me. I was not a mean girl's favorite person. So, but drag queens, gay men loved me. And maybe because of my bigness, my eccentrics, I don't know, whatever it was, that's who supported me always and forever. So, you know, I'm a big supporter. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, I can tell by your personality that you would be very fun to hang out with. So I can understand how, you know, the, the drag community likes to have fun. 
You know, it's about expressing who you really are. You know, we've, so many of us have lived the early part of our years, our childhood, um, not being able to express fully who we are because of the society's restrictions and how they think people should behave and just so many things that you grow up with that you need to kind of overcome throughout your life to be able to fully express who you really are. And I think it's just wonderful that people like you support that and you come into our communities and we can share that together. And, and I think it helps other people actually fulfill that within themselves. Even if you aren't a queer person, it's, um, it's wonderful that you get to share that and we share that with you. Thank you so much. Now, I wanted to ask you about how the story time thing happened, how people were opposed to drag queens going in to do story time, which I just is so ridiculous. Don't you think? <laughs> yes, I, I think it's a little crazy. I don't understand actually how people, I mean, I do, I understand, I understand society. So I understand that once something is unleashed like this, people get uh, very emotional about it. And it's so easy to play on humans that way. It's We've done this throughout eons of time. Um, so I can understand how it's easy to get people riled up about something like this issue. But I also, on the other hand, I, I look at it and I just, if you think a little more about it, and you look at it from a from step away and look at it from a the bigger picture it just seems so ridiculous and it's almost like it's almost comical that the focus is so much on eliminating drag from public and not having kids be around drag it, it just seems so strange that these are the issues that are the most important to people right now we have so many things going on in our society that need attention. So many things. Yet the crusade is drag right now. And and I think a part of that may be um, attacking the trans community through this drag legislation. Um, yes. Because they know that that's a, a, maybe they know that that's a way to get to them as well, I think. But um yeah, I feel like it's just a sad state of affairs. It's so sad that this is what our culture is right now. Um, mm. And we keep having to defend it. I keep having to tell people, I'm not going to do anything to your kids. And it's just ridiculous that we have to keep saying this. And I don't actually want to say it anymore. Because when, until you address these situations where it's actually really happening, you, there are, there are other places in our society and they're not drag queens doing it where these kind of abuses are happening that people are worried about. So until you focus there and make changes there, don't, don't come after me. Don't come after the drag community. And when we tell you facts, when we tell you information about ourselves, believe it. We're not making it up. We're not, <laughs> it's, it's just so crazy that we have to keep defending this. 
I agree. Now, take a look at what happened, which I was, you know, I was a big Dalai Lama devotee. And if you saw what happened with him, like, you know, how he either bit a kid's tongue or kissed a kid's tongue, something like that in the last few days. It's like, oh, my God, you know. Wait, what is the story? The Dalai Lama did something to a little boy's tongue when he On kissed. Purpose? <laughs> I'm not... I am not sure what it was, but the world is like, and in fact, you know, I, you know, brought it up, which I didn't even know about Rosie O'Donnell on her TikTok talked about it. She goes, the Dalai Lama either, you know, kissed the boy with his tongue or the boy made him. It was, I don't even know the facts, but I, I saw something about that. And I'm thinking, okay, I just looked it up. It, It looks like he asked somebody to suck his tongue, a little boy to Suck his tongue. Okay, well, That's now what... I know what my I know what my next post is going to be. <laughs> I'm going to do some research. Oh my god! So yeah, I, I was like, oh my god, talk about our leaders. You know who like mm-hmm. you know. For my example, when I was a kid, I was kidnapped at eight years old. You know, like by this Jewish. You know, we in the Orthodox. It wasn't Orthodox. Mixed area in Borough Park and he asked me to come home with him and I did and I just remember sitting on his lap and my family was looking for me you know once you are molested by at a young age your life is never the same so I'm sure this kid is like the Dalai Lama told me to suck his tongue or I'm going to suck his tongue or whatever that kid will never be the same the the Dalai Lama he's like the spiritual man in the world right oh yeah I think I think it's so important to know that the impact that we have on the kids, kids, they don't, they don't forget things. It takes a lot to overcome those things that you do to kids. It takes so much work in your whole life. And some people never can do it. No, they can never overcome it. No. So straight man did it to me. And then I've had different instances in my life where, you know, Never have I ever had a, you know, a gay man, you know, like accost me like any straight man did when I was the young kid. So that's sad. Very sad for oh, me. Oh, gosh, I'm so know. sorry you had to go through that. Oh, it's my so God. Crazy, you know, but... and of course, my mother blamed me because she did. She had so angry. She didn't know where I was and she got scared. And, you know, that's how you react a lot of times. So to think that. Drag queens, gay people, you know, are influencing, you know, children today is ridiculous. It's like a big platform. We are born who we are and this is who we are. And we, you know, nobody forces anything on us. You know, like if I had been gay, I would have been gay. I mean, I've experienced some, you know, of the same sex. And, you know, I have. Did you dabble? I dabbled a little bit. They dabbled with me a little bit, but <laughs> but you know what? And I even tried to make some gay men straight. That was one of my things. <laughs> wow, you you're not the only one. You're not the only one. So yeah, so I mean, but you know, we are who we are. Yeah, you got to try something to see if you try it, you'll like it. You know, to see if you like it or not. I mean, what's the big? And my generation, especially the 60s, baby boomer generation, you know, we tried a lot of different things. Sure. And I I think that's I think that leads me to the point that 
If, if what we're doing and what we're trying here, and you know, life is for living. Life is for figuring out what you want to do with it. What do you like here? What's, what's in your soul that needs to come out and how are you going to express that? And if that is not affecting or hurting anyone else, why do people care about that? Why? And so many people just have this um, ideology, this righteousness that they must project on society. They feel that that's their goal to get everyone to feel like they do and believe like they do. And I get it. I get that humans, it's, we have this desire to have people be like us. We can't help it. But I also understand within me that that's never going to happen. And I actually want to appreciate people's differences. I want to live in a place where people express themselves the way they need to. That's what creates the harmony in our society. That's what creates the joy, the beauty. When we're so concerned about people behaving certain ways or behaving the same way we do, and we start putting these restrictions and enacting laws and, and restricting all the rights and the freedoms from people, what kind of society is that creating? That's not joyful. That's the, it's like the lack. It's the exact opposite. But they don't care about that. They care about controlling people. And that's what apparently makes them feel good. I don't know because I don't understand that. I don't relate to that at all. Um, I'm the opposite of that. Of course, I intellectually try to analyze. I want to know, you know, I want to know about humanity, which is part of why I research and I do these posts and try to share information with people. And then they share it back. Let me know things that I didn't know. Um, because I want to understand why are people like this? Why are they doing this? What I found is a lot of times people want to control things when they're afraid. They're afraid of what's inside of them. Like if I can control this situation, then they won't find out about me like the FBI, J. Edgar Huzitz, you know, mm -hmm. that is like Mary outfit that he was dressing in, but, you know, behind closed doors and Roy Cohn, the attorney who was like really gay and was dying of AIDS, but he couldn't say it was AIDS because they're afraid for people to really find out who they right. really are. And that's because our society has created that. If yeah. our society was open to that and they could just be who they are, they wouldn't have to go on these witch hunts to actually try to prove how how much they weren't like that. So the loudest voices sometimes are the people that are doing what they're actually trying to get other people in trouble for. It's crazy. Now, when but you, that's, let me, I'm sorry, I interrupted. I just want to ask you about what was it like for you being raised as a, as a kid? How was your family? Well, like other families, we had our own issues. Um, we, you know, I think a lot of families don't communicate very well. And especially when you, maybe it's different now. I'm not sure. I feel like society is a little more open now, but I'm sure there are a lot of families that still can't communicate effectively. So we, we had some problems there, but what I'm grateful for is, uh, that my parents allowed me to be creative. They allowed me to wear my mom's silky nightgown as princess hair. They allowed me to, you know, kind of dress up as feminine. <laughs> superhero you, you know they just didn't have 
a reaction that was negative to that. So I didn't know that that's something that I shouldn't have been ashamed of. So my parents were also not religious. I didn't go to church uh, when I was younger, unless I was with my grandparents. And that was only a couple times. And I thought, wow, this is kind of boring. And, <laughs> and it, it, it did, um, it did give me a strange reaction when people um, respond to something in a group. And I always thought that was so strange and kind of creepy when somebody does a call and they do a response, but I felt like there was no active, there was no connection to it. You know, I, I just thought the idea of sitting in a room with people just saying things and then they go home. I thought, well, why don't you just do that in your life? You don't have to come to this one building and say those things here. Just be intentional about how you, you know, living your life and connecting to God or nature or whatever you want to connect to. But anyway, I did not have that growing up. So I also didn't have the aspect of guilt or shame from religion or people telling me that that was wrong. Um, so did they know I was going to grow up to be gay and a drag queen? Probably. Yeah. Um, did they try to stop me from doing that? No, they were artistic people themselves. They're both very intelligent. So I just was immersed in this culture or this world of music and dance and theater. And I saw the Nutcracker when I was six years old and the spectacle of it and the magic of it. And I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to be in that world. It was just mm. beautiful and magical. So that's my childhood. I grew up on a farm in Iowa. I was running around in the fields and wading in the creeks and playing with snakes. And and then I, you know, go home and dress up like a princess. So that was I my childhood. That. Now, how long does it take you to put Nana Tucket together? How long did you know? Look, look well, in the beginning, it took a long time, which I think you could Every drag queen would say that, but um, I pretty much can be ready in two and a half hours. Wow. Now that doesn't include the shaving and the moisturizing. Like that's, it's, it's a whole process. Oh my God. And you yeah. do it like nobody's business. Oh, that's so nice. You know, it's really tricky. Uh, my, my makeup was terrible at first. I had to watch a lot of YouTube videos. I, I, Got a lot of information from my favorite drag artists out there, and and I'm still honing. Well, you know, drag artists out there. Tell me who they are. Well, my favorite for makeup, the Vivian, an English queen, who I think their face is so beautiful. So that's who I kind of um, took my basic foundation inspiration from, and I basically do their their routine. And you know, drag queens they change their routine over time, so you know it evolves what you do with your face and. Um, they're just some beautiful, I, what I try to do is find somebody who has a facial structure like mine. I have very wow. deep set eyes. Right. Um, so I look at drag queens who have the same kind of features so I can understand how they're creating this wow. look because I have different things to work with on my face and my face is getting older. You know, things aren't staying the where they <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have stuff kind of hanging down a little bit, but, but I do tape a lot. I tape my face oh. off. So it does stretch it out a little, which, um, <laughs> my sister is jealous of and she wishes she could tape her face too. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I've learned from these gorgeous tutorials, these drag queens, and um, I keep honing, you know, you practice makes perfect. You keep honing your skills. And uh, I find that my eyes, the eye makeup is the most um, complicated to get right. Mm. Uh, and I'm still working on it. Now, I have a different aesthetic as well. You know, a lot of drag queens do a lot more with their faces to have a more modern, fun style. Mm. And I, I'm i trying for something a little softer that looks a little more like my 1940s vintage Nana look. So uh, that's what I'm going for. Uh, well, Nana Tuckett, darling, this is it for us. I want to oh, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Podcast. It'll probably be up a little bit now, not too long, you know. And I'm, I am so honored that you came in here because I've had a few people bug out on me, you know, like ready to do it and then they didn't show. So, girl, but, I'm here for you anytime. I am I, ready for you. It's, it's you. been my honor to be on here with you. It's my and first I, interview ever. I'm gonna send you a cup. So oh send, my goodness! Thank you. Yeah, Oh, Bubby, I love you. I love you. God bless you. Thank you. We're on the same coast, so you never know what's going to happen. Oh, boy. Are you Keep up the good in, work. Are you going to be in any parades, do you think? You know, I would like to get out there as much as I can. And I've been invited to different um, uh, pride events in different states. I mm. think that some people are excited and I, you know, I have a lot, I have a lot to say, so we'll see what and happens. You do, honey, and so do I, an old hag that has a lot to say. One old hag to another. Oh, honey, you ain't no more. I love you. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Bye.